it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the Cotton Club Crew Sunday edition. I am Chris, and I am joined, of course, by Joe, just like every Sunday. Joe, how are you doing this week? I'm doing very well this weekend. Um, got a chance to spend some time with the family, watch some movies on TV, watch some good baseball on the major league level, and then, you know, watch tech you know, win two out of three versus the Sam Houston State team that, you know, just kind of didn't want to go quietly. Um, so it's been it's been a good weekend so far. How about your weekend, sir? Honestly, can't complain. Uh, mostly just working. Um, really nothing else besides working, just hanging out with the family, too. I mean, the weather's getting a lot better. We had our first good day of weather yesterday, so it was nice to be outside for as long as I could. And honestly, just having a good time and going to the gym, kind of just trying to get ready for the summer, get the summer bod ready. That's that's all that's all you can do. But uh, why don't we get into some baseball talk? Uh, pretty much as we usually started off. To recap, obviously we know what happened with Texas Tech, Sam Houston. They went uh, three game, or they went through, did the three games. Tech won two out of the three, took the series, which is good. But uh, what are your thoughts on that series as a whole? As the series sits as a whole, I mean, it didn't leave me with a great taste in my mouth. I didn't sit there and watch these that series and think, oh, you know, you know, we're geared up, we're ready for West Virginia. There's still just as many question marks as there were going into this series, um, finishing this series. 
So moving forward, I guess just see what we're going to do with our pitching staff, like we've been talking about pretty much all year, and see what happens from there. Um, just and just moving forward to see where we, because we were already starting to begin on that fringe of outside looking in, and that's, I mean, I hate to say it, and it's a tough pill to swallow, but that's something that we have to mentally prepare ourselves for. That there's a possibility that for the first time in a long time, this Texas Tech team will not have a postseason appearance. And that's, I don't say that often. And I, hell, I don't even like it coming out of my mouth, but that's just the reality of this team right now is that we don't have the pitching to play up into a level. Maybe maybe if we get a a reasonable regional but I don't see our pitching staff as it stands right now, May 7th, 9 o'clock, that we have enough to get beyond a super regional. So um, so the next two weeks are going to be interesting. So let's just see what we could do and see if we can make a push to get into that final spot in you know, the postseason play. Yeah, I mean, realistically, just kind of going to go over the uh, Big 12 conference standings right now. West Virginia has a little bit of separation here with the uh, two teams tied at 11-7, and Oklahoma State and Kansas State. They're at 13-5, and and uh, Oklahoma State and Kansas State are at 11-7. and Overall record, West Virginia, of course, has the best record, 36-12. and They are the only ranked Big 12 team as of right now. They're number 12 likely going to climb a little bit more. And, I mean, this was kind of a dud week in the Big 12 as far as competition goes. Um, most teams, besides a few series, I think that, yeah, there were two series that were interconference series between Texas and Kansas and Oklahoma and West Virginia. West Virginia took care of business there, uh, series 2-1. to one. Obviously, I think if they would have won that last game or won the middle game that they lost, they probably would have had enough separation to kind of seal the deal here for the Big 12 title, but instead, keeping it close. And uh, like you said, we have we have that matchup coming up with them soon, so real soon. So it's kind of one of those things where you want to play your best ball against the best team in the conference right now because we are kind of hanging on by a thread. And beside, after those uh, three teams, Texas is 12 and nine in the conference, and we are nine and nine. Just a little bit above Oklahoma, who was ten and eleven. So obviously that extra loss keeps them below five hundred, and we are right at five hundred. Uh, realistically, any team above Texas Tech likely could make the tournament, make like a postseason run. Texas, kind of in the same realm as uh, Texas Tech, but Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, because of their conference record. And just kind of their overall record, I think that, I mean, we do have an extra win over uh, Kansas State, but their conference record is kind of helping them a little bit more. Uh, what do you think about the Big 12 and their chances of getting a few teams in? How many teams do you realistic, realistically think could get into the uh, playoffs? Postseason-wise, I, I have West Virginia as a lock. Um, they have the highest RPI out of the Big 12. And the way that they've been playing ball is, like I said, just the most consistent ball that that the Big 12 seen. And it's on the back end, so they've been playing really well. I also see Oklahoma State getting into that field. They've just done enough. And their RPI is pretty solid as well. It's somewhere in the top 20 
if I'm not mistaken, somewhere somewhere up in those lines, and then Texas is not too far from them. And then after that, it's going to be our huge drop-off from, I think, the next closest. I mean, a lot of us are kind of scattered in there. Oklahoma's at 54, TCU's at 55, Kansas State is at 58, and we're at 59 as far as the RPI is concerned. So I say West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then just depending on what Texas does, to close out the season because I think they host um, West Virginia the last three in Austin. And then what they do um, in the Big 12 tournament is going to kind of determine that. I think West Virginia is going to be the only legitimate shot at hosting a regional. But I think West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas are my three. And then all the ones that could potentially sneak in there just depending on how their um, season ends. Is going to be your Kansas State, your Oklahoma, and then us, you know, seeing what we could do possibly in the postseason. But I have three for sure, three maybes, and then that leaves, you know, uh, Kansas and Baylor, which we kind of mathematically eliminated about three weeks ago whenever we started this deal out. And I don't, I don't foresee them, either of them making it, but like guaranteed, none of them are going to make it. So, We'll just kind of see what happens in the next two weeks. I know that the I was talking to you about this pre pre show that something very interesting could potentially happen this weekend as far as it's pertaining to tech and West Virginia. The weather in Morgantown, they're predicted forty percent chance of rain that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And given the two weeks it is before the Big 12 tournament starts, I'm not exactly sure. So I think, you know, if the weather pattern holds true, that this weekend series may be, you know, tweaked a little bit as far as potentially double headers, earlier times, this, that, or the other. But we'll just kind of have to monitor that as the week goes on and then just kind of go from there. But West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Kansas, or I'm sorry, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas locks for me. Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech all have work to do. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that's kind of a realistic look at it all. Obviously, as Texas Tech fans, we want to kind of put them in there and kind of say, oh, their resume is really good, kind of boost them up. But you got to kind of look at the grand scheme of things and be realistic and say that this team has some work to do. And really needs to win these series that they have coming up and do some damage in the big 12 tournament. But it is what it is. We've kind of put ourselves in this situation and we got to dig ourselves out of it. That's just the way that it goes. I mean, this team is usually pretty set at this point in time in years past, but Hey, it is what it is. You know, it's a big 12 it's baseball. It is a pretty talented baseball conference. In my opinion, probably not the best, but uh, definitely up there in competition. So realistically, you can't complain. I mean, you just want to see this team consistently make it. And as I kind of said before the show, it's one of those things where we're so used to seeing, you know, football occasionally struggle. Basketball has been doing a lot better recently, but every now and then there were those struggles and baseball was always that constant. So it's unfortunate that this is yeah, a year some, where we're not. Some, really- some, un- uh, some uncharted territory where we're in with the baseball program this year. That's for sure. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's weird to see, but I mean, there's obviously there's always talks about different things that are going to happen, different coaching changes. We've kind of mentioned them a few things here and there. 
I haven't seen much, and I hopefully will not see much about oh Tim Tadlock. Is there any questions about him? There are, should be no questions. He is he has done more than enough in his tenure at Texas Tech to kind of earn you know maybe a down year here and there. It just is what it is. You can never be perfect all the time. And I've always thought that maybe we could do a little bit better in the recruitment of pitchers. I thought I think that maybe we need to attack that a little better. Maybe not just even from high school. But transfer portal, I know that the transfer portal is it's kind of a deal here in baseball, just like it is in the other sports. But maybe just dip our toes and get some guys who are kind of established already. And Because, I mean, realistically, that's always the problem here. It always seems to be the bullpen, and especially this year. So it's just one of those things you want to see the team address. But we'll see. I mean, there's still some baseball to be played. They're not out yet. It's just looking like a little bit of a difficult time. But. Yeah, you know, the, the, the home stretch, it's all you can hope for is a good outcome, but we shall see how they do. Uh, I guess we'll get into the probably biggest and probably going to continue to be the biggest news uh, factor outside of baseball, too, with uh, basketball recruiting, with the transfer portal kind of closing here soon in a week or two, a little bit, a little bit less, a little around that area. But, um, I mean, there's two, there's two places that are kind of, kind of been the constant here, unfortunately, the past few weeks that are just a little bit annoying, but it is what it is. The rich get richer. Uh, we're going to start with probably the biggest name in the portal. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is going to Kansas, which likely takes Jalen Tyson out of there. Not that they play the same position, but I just don't think that Jalen's going there anymore. We had a few conversations behind the scenes kind of talking about where he could end up, but I mean... I don't know how much Big Ten basketball you watch. I mean, Michigan's kind of been out of the realm of the national relevancy in basketball when Hunter Dickinson has been there besides a year, I think. But they really haven't been all that good. I don't know if you've seen much of him play. I watched I watched pretty much most of it. But uh, what is your uh, what's your take on Hunter Dickinson in Kansas? I mean, actually, two different kinds of sides of um, the basketball there, you know, Big 12 basketball and how the Big Ten plays basketball, just a little bit the Big Ten's more traditional-esque, you know, just like in football, you know, you have more more rushing teams and bigger beefed-up offensive linemen and things like that. You're not quite as much doing the spread, so it's kind of like the same kind of same kind of thing, but, you know, just moved over to the basketball. You know, they have a true big – and a majority of the teams in the Big 12, historically speaking, for the last, I would say, like at least the last five, haven't had a bona fide center position. And that's what kind of Dickinson does. Um, on the defensive side, you know, other than just being a, a seven-foot big body that could alter shots, anybody who's trying to penetrate, um, that's a game changer. But offensively, his game is, you know, it's, it's solid. And then with what Kansas always brings in as far as the the talent goes between the transfer portal and also in the high school realm, you know, Bill Self, you know, he him and his crew know what, what to do whenever they have that top-tier talent over there as as displayed year in and year out. So this we've, – we've talked about it, you know, the rich get richer. Like, you know, they missed – on Harrison Ingram, and then who do they get? They get Arterio Morris, and then they also get Hunter Dickinson. So it's just like, okay, we'll strike out one way, but then we'll hit a grand slam right on the on the next pitch. So um, it's going to be 
it's going to be crowded up top again, and I expect to see the Big 12 Conference being as powerful as it's ever been um, this upcoming season. Yeah, I don't see much of a drop-off happening at all from Kansas. I mean, drop-off. They made it to the round of 32. I think they're going to probably advance a little bit further this year. And, uh, I mean, Hunter Dickinson is just super talented on the offensive end. He is a very big body. He's kind of like – he. I mean, he kind of just looks like Nikola Jokic. I don't think he's nearly as talented. Obviously, he's just a, he's a, like a – third or fourth year player, I think a fourth year player in college. So I don't expect him to be, but his offensive game kind of reminds me similarly to what Jokic can do. He can kind of shoot from any point of the court, really good passer, kind of good at distributing the ball here and there. And uh, maybe not to the level of Jokic, but um, obviously not, but just able to kind of facilitate the offense and, that's what you want in a big man nowadays. I mean, if you're not going to have – I mean, Kansas kind of has talent in pretty much every aspect of their team. But just having that guy at the center who can not only take the defense away from the middle of the court but also attract attention and get his shooters the ball in space where they can make plays, I mean, it's 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 just going to be unfair. Kansas is going to be very talented this year. So hopefully Tech can hold their own against them. And then obviously we had Texas add a few guys. I think – these ones aren't necessarily significant because of the level of player that they were in the transfer portal. Um, they were only three and four stars in the transfer portal, weren't really in that top 50 range. But, I mean, there were two guys that were on Tech's kind of radar. So it's Chindle Weaver, the 6'1 guard, point guard, came from Akron, I think it was. And then it was Zirik Anyama. No, UT Arlington. That's where he was. Sorry. I just saw the A and I assumed Akron. But uh, Zirik Anyema from UTEP. So two Texas, two smaller Texas schools uh, have guys transferred to Texas. And the one Anyema, the one that kind of hurts the most, obviously we've added a few guards and a few kind of guard slash forward hybrids in the transfer portal. But Anyema was a 6'8", 230 power forward. Could have been another big guy that we could have added, but Heading to Texas instead. I mean, these guys, I, I think that they're pretty talented guys. I'm not going to say that they're not talented. Obviously, they're guys that Tech wanted to, so it's unfortunate that we couldn't get them. But it, I think that they're probably going to just be depth pieces at Texas. But when you can add guys like that to the depth of your team, I mean, it just makes your team better. With Disu returning, with Asmus, with Amos going there, and just the guys that they're already returning and uh, recruiting from high school. It's just more depth pieces for Texas. Any thoughts on this, on these two guys? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that that guy, um, Chindle, he was actually supposed to be in Lubbock this weekend with the other, with Washington, and then I believe Johnson, the kid from San Diego State, they were all supposed to be here collectively together. And then I guess he canceled his trip last minute, and then boom, there you see it on Twitter, you know, the commitment to the Longhorns. So 
Um, I think, you know, that, I think that's more telling on the Texas side, that kid signing. I don't, so I kind of think that, that, that means they see as Dylan Mitchell as his, as his way out, because I know they were still kind of on the fence with him. If he was returning or not, he hadn't actually came out and given an answer to Texas about returning and they play the same position. So I'm assuming that Texas knows, or, you know, um, they know something over there that, um, that Mitchell's not coming back and then they feel the need and, or signed a huge check, you know, one of the two, but I believe that that's kind of why, um, Wendell went over there. Um, just because like I said, um, Mitchell, they know that Mitchell's not going to be coming back. So, I mean, they've done, they've done their part in the, in the transfer portal. Um, then they're just going to be just as strong moving forward. So, I mean, I, you know, but as as to the same point of of Kansas, you know, the rich just get richer. So I can't wait to see this Big Twelve, though. You know, super strong. Just like I said, just just prior, you know, it's going to be just as strong moving forward as much as it was last year, if not more stronger. I agree. I mean, and then the same thing with uh, Onyema. He uh, kind of puts in maybe not replace him as talent level, but with Ron Holland uh, decommitting from Texas not too long ago, that kind of helps them add uh, a little bit more depth at the power forward. Because I mean, hey, you can never be too, never be too thin at that position in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they and and I'm not sure if they lost Bishop as well. I don't know if he was one of those COVID year, fifth year player kind of dudes, um, and and things like that. But I think that may have been filling that that void that Bishop was leaving behind. Yeah, I'm looking right now at Bishop. I'm not sure if he is coming back to Texas or not, but he, yeah, I don't know how many years he had left on the, uh, as far as, uh, or wait, is he going to, no. Okay, yeah, I guess he should be around, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check on that one, but that would be interesting if they still have him. He's a really big piece there. I don't know if Brock Cunningham is coming back either. He's kind of like a decent, at best depth piece for them, but I guess we'll see on he's that a, front. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good, he's a good seventh man and a good guy to go get minutes and fouls. So yeah, exactly. I don't think, I think he's played, I think, I think he's played six and I think he's actually fully done. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, I'm almost for sure that this was Bishop's last year. I think this was his super senior year this year that he played. So I don't think he's coming back either. Oh yeah. He's 23 and he, and it does say senior on two, four, seven. So I think he should be, yeah, he should be out. So yeah. And then Disu kind of has one late year. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then just uh, two other things that I, two other guys that I wanted to point out, Zuby is your four. I want to say that that's the right way. I kind of looked that up on YouTube. That sounds like what it was. He was a power forward for Kansas, and he pretty much transferred right after uh, Dickinson uh, landed. And then Kyle Cuff Jr., just another talented four-star guy that went to Kansas. Uh, He also decommitted recently as well. So just two guys that are kind of out of the portal. We'll kind of see how those uh, situations play out. Maybe Tech can go after the big guy. And, uh, yeah, just as you kind of alluded to, uh, since there's not really much else going on in the Big 12 world of things, uh, Washington, Warren Washington, the uh, big man from Arizona State, is currently in Texas Tech, or currently at Texas Tech, or at least he was this past weekend. 
Uh, obviously, the type of guy that Tech really needs on this roster. We're struggling to uh, kind of maybe not struggling. I, I, there's probably a plan in the background that we all don't know about. But for the most part, we're kind of spread thin at the big man position. We only have a few on the roster, if that. And, I mean, Washington could be the type of guy that can instantly come and impact this team. Obviously, I'm not going to say that he's going to be the guy that's going to lead us to the championship, but it would be nice to get a guy in there with that kind of size and that kind of skill to be able to, you know, hold down the fort at that position. Uh, Any thoughts on Washington and his, you know, probability of coming to Texas Tech? Well, we've had two guys on campus, and both of those guys left signed to Texas Tech, so... Um, I'm hoping that this, you know, just moves forward on this end. Um, with Warren Washington, a walking double double, seven foot, two twenty five guy. You know, one of those guys that you know we need because we don't we don't have a center. We don't have a big. I mean, our biggest player right now, I think, is Chiron Lindsay. I think he's six eight, six nine ish. I don't I don't think we have anybody else on our roster bigger than that so this guy would be you know our true big coming in and then you know how we run our offense not knowing exactly how we're going to run an offense because you know some of that coaching staff yet has has yet to be seen but I think I know why that's happening was because of that loophole which we could talk about here shortly but Washington's game I mean it's good I mean he played in the Pac-12 pack obviously you know they didn't have a whole lot of but a lot of, you know, in comparison to the Big 12, it's, it's not a powerhouse like they once used to be. You know, Arizona and UCLA, that's kind of all you get in that conference. And then, you know, some other teams potentially, you know. But he held his own in those games and big games like that. I mean, like I said, nine points, nine rebounds a game. And that's a guy who you could really use to your advantage. I mean, he's an athletic guy. 225 for a seven-footer. I mean, doesn't sound like a whole lot of weight. So he could move from side to side guard from three, four and five. I would assume, or at least from the stat or from some of the, the clips of him playing, that's where I've seen him at and where he's a good rotational defensive player. So I'm really excited to hopefully get him on this, on this team. And I hope everything went well with his visit up here to Lubbock. I hope he doesn't have any problem with um, steak and salmon. Exactly. You know, you just want to get more guys on the team and hopefully he kind of likes the staff. And yeah, I mean, why not get right into it? And just kind of want to point out, since we're talking the topic of Texas Tech and whatnot, just kind of looking at the crystal ball thing here and what we were talking about for the most part. As I said, Jalen Tyson doesn't seem like he's going to Kansas, but unfortunately it's not because he is coming back to Texas Tech. Seems to be likely that he is heading to Cal. He was obviously pretty close with Fardoz when he came here, and there might be a few other guys on that staff that he was pretty close with. It's unfortunate, you know. I mean, we kind of all – I don't know if you kind of took the time to uh, listen to it, but the podcast that Elijah Fisher, who also transferred to DePaul, um, pretty close school to me, probably the closest school as far as like a big-time-ish college. That one's like – like a 35 40 minute drive it's right in the city of chicago and i've been there actually to watch a texas tech game play at depaul which texas tech unfortunately lost but it was still an exciting one and i actually was like my mom got me tickets that were 
right next to where Texas Tech uh, ran in and ran out, but it was in the it was kind of near the student section for DePaul. So I got to give them all a high five coming in and out, but it was unfortunate because I was just getting chirped the whole game. But it is what it is. It was a good time. But regardless, we have four guys kind of crystal balling Jalen Tyson to can- uh, California. I like as I was saying, I don't know if you got a chance to kind of see what Elijah Fisher was talking about. I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know if it's because I don't want to kind of hear the bad things that were going on or what he kind of says was going on, even though I kind of heard like paraphrasing parts of it, but it just, it's unfortunate that the kind of core group that we thought was going to be here is leaving as far as like Elijah Fisher and uh, Jalen Tyson. I really thought Jalen Tyson was going to stay and it was unfortunate when he quit, when he uh, decided to leave tech or test the waters that fans were kind of getting mad at him. But once you kind of hear what Elijah Fisher had to say, you kind of understand any thoughts on that. I don't know if you saw that uh, interview or anything. Yeah, we um, talked about it in one of our other pods, Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of good, you know, it's, it sucks that, you know, all your dirty laundry is put out on main street like that, but I would rather hear it from a player who was in the shit than some reporter from the New York Times who just happened to stumble on this story and now it's all over the media and everywhere. And I'm not saying that this wasn't all over the internet and stuff like that, but it actually gives us true perspective on what was actually going on behind those closed doors in those practices, in those meetings and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's great, you know, for somebody to, to come out and actually air out somebody's dirty laundry essentially and tell his side of the story because a lot of people were giving him crap for being this young kid, immature, a diva, you know, all these other names because of how big he was out of Canada and then being the the five-star, a potential top-of-the-class kind of guy talent and then him ultimately coming down to Lubbock, Texas to play basketball, you know, he took a big risk as it was coming down here. And that's besides any of the coaching stuff. And then with all of the coaching stuff that came out and him being total, totally transparent and honest about it, I'm glad somebody actually had the balls to do so because the, the very, very crappy part about this is, is that we had a – I wouldn't say once in a generational kind of talent because, I mean, what he showed in high school to what he showed with us when the flashes, I mean, was elite. And we're probably a year or two from potentially having that kind of talent come through here again. But I think we, I mean, I'm I'm saying this truly meaning it. We failed this kid. Our Mark Adams and our coaching staff, how we handled this kid, we failed him. And for him to come out and say how he truly felt and, you know, besides, you know, the stake in the salmon thing, you know, that's kind of a, a mood point there. But this kid had all of the potential to be an all Big 12 player uh, or even a, um, a all NCAA player. You know, he has that kind of capabilities and, it, and it, it's shown in the flashes here at Tech and then the things he put out in high school. So. You know, it is what it is, like like we kind of always allude to and things like that. But I'm kind of glad that he came out and said it. it at least it kind of shows in a broader spectrum how it really was here. And then the situation with Jalen, you know, he came back to us after decommitting and went going to Texas, 
going through a crap storm there at Texas and then coming here thinking it was going to be better. He got the same kind of, I wouldn't, I can't necessarily say the same kind of treatment per se, but I mean, he came into some, a situation where he didn't think it was going to be this bad, came out to be that bad. And, you know, he put his name out there. Then the coach that brought him back to Texas Tech pulls a job at the University of Cal. Fardal's AMAC could have already sold him on his head coach that he had from Portland State. You know, those those things kind of align up. So it sucks because he was a great talent as well. And we've we've seen it on more than one occasion. But, you know, on to the next. You know, we can't sit here and sulk about players leaving and things like that. At the end of the day, it's a business, and they're doing the best thing for their business as far as it pertains to NLI and things like that. So he's not going to Kansas. I will root for him at Cal if ultimately that's where he ends up. I'm also going to root for Elijah Fisher there at DePaul because these guys didn't ask for the situation they were put in. They just happened to get into the situation and happened to get out at the best time for them. So I'm not going to cheer against him. More power to him. Go be great, even if it's not at Tech. Yeah, like you said, um, it's unfortunate that college kids were kind of getting treated like that. You really want to see, you know, these kids kind of have their future and everything set out for them and kind of treated the right way. And it's one thing to be a hard coach. It's one thing to be, you know, on your players but just from what i've heard and i still have to listen to that i think i probably will but just from what i've heard about it it just seems like it was just completely over the top and i wish we kind of handled the uh search for our head coach after chris beard a little bit better obviously it was an emotional hire but you know it is what it is like you said we can't really complain about it it's college regardless these players are only going to be there for a few years anyway and it's on to the next one. I like you, but I will agree with you there. Elijah Fisher, his talent level, just given his size too, because Mac McClung was another guy, and so was Jemias Ramsey. But they were kind of the guards. They were a little bit smaller than Elijah. Elijah Fisher had the capabilities of like taking over a game and dominating to an even better level than those guys. And it is what it is. It's unfortunate, but we'll see. We'll see with this team and hopefully this new staff. I have nothing but optimism that this new staff that we have is going to be a lot better and we won't have any of the similar problems from that. And hopefully some of the guys that we bring on will be a lot better too. I mean, like you said, there was a few kind of rumblings and we can get into that now. Also just want to say, I will also be rooting for Cal. They're pretty much like a mini Texas tech now with a few guys there. So, Hey, you know, got to root for them, but uh, I'll let you kind of start it off uh, with the other coaches that we're kind of hearing about that could come, come to tech. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think this is McCaslin using that loophole to his advantage. Um, as it stated, I don't know exact the exact verbiage as it as it reads, but it says something as long as you don't have that third assistant or um, uh, a a assistant hired, you could have more official visits to the university. So I believe that's truly why. We haven't had any staff news out there because, you know, we're trying to get kids to the university to take a look at what Texas Tech has to offer. And as far as a facility standpoint, I've walked in and toured the Womble a handful of times. That's not a, a brag or anything like that, but I've just happened to 
know the know some people there to where I've been able to walk through the through this facility. I mean, it's top notch, and I I mean, yeah, granted, it's the only one I've ever been to in my life, but I mean, everything that they show there on YouTube or any video or picture, I mean, it is a hundred percent bona fide and legit. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a problem getting kids here. You know, with with some of that, the um, transfer portal window is closing on the 11th. So that is on Thursday for kids to put their names out there. So I, I expect us to, you know, use use this time in the available trips or the additional trips available for us because we don't have a full staff yet to our advantage. Maybe we could get some more kids over here. Some, you know, some teams out there have kind of already spent, you know, blown their load, um, so to speak, in the transfer portal. Like TCU, I'm sure they don't have many visits left or any spots left for all I'm concerned. I mean, hell, I think they've added four guys to their roster already. So, I mean, that just bodes well for us. I think he's just playing playing this loophole to his advantage. And, you know, hopefully there's already something behind closed doors that we just haven't seen yet. So I'm hoping that that, that hire is going to be Ben McCollum. And for everything, what it's worth, if you know anything about basketball, any level, Ben McCollum is that dude. This is a guy you want at your school. He probably deserves his shot at a Division One school running the program. But he's just chose to just ride it out where he's been. And he's freaking killed it. I mean, X amount of national championships, X amount of, you know, division championships. I mean, this guy's offenses are 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 perfect. Not like perfect all the time, but you know what I mean in in retrospect is just they're just they're just ran to perfection and how it's taught and how Every one of his teams, if you've ever seen, have bought into his philosophy. So I honestly think everybody's, for a long time there, right after McCaslin was hired, Ben McCollum's name was thrown out there with a lot of people being very close to the situation, also saying that Ben McCollum was was ours, essentially. But like I said, with giving the little loophole that we're trying to that McCaslin's trying to use. I think that's why it hasn't been formally announced yet, but I'm expecting Ben McCollum to be on staff. And I expect a lot of great things from McCollum and his offenses that he runs. And then, you know, he's just getting more talent to run his set offense. And that's only going to benefit our guys that we have out here, you know, just kind of give them a new perspective this could open things up for Pop a whole lot more. This could help open things up for Jennings, for Lamar, for Lindsey, Drew, whenever he gets here in the summer. You know, things, guys like that. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I'm really hoping that we could get the tandem of McCollum and Perry. Because just, you know, I, I always liked Barrett Perry, to be completely honest. And it sucked whenever he left. So I'm hoping that we could get both of those dudes back. One or the other is great, but I'm expecting McCollum for sure and crossing my fingers on Perry to come back to Texas Tech this year. Yeah, obviously that would be a huge addition to the staff, McCollum and then Perry too. I mean, having those two offensive minds kind of help this team get to different levels because 
realistically, this team is going to be whatever it lacks in talent. We're really going to need our coaches and scheme to kind of open things up for us because let's face it, guys, like we've, we know the story of Texas tech when they were in the national championship, who did they really have? That was like talented, talented as far as like recruitment wise, really like off the top of my head. I mean, I can't even remember. I don't remember Jarrett Culver's and uh, Moretti's kind of uh, recruitment and whatnot, but I don't think that they were too high a prospects, top 150 prospects. They just kind of molded into the system and played within the system. And Jarrett Culver kind of took over as that alpha dog. But then he had guys like Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens who were very much so not Tariq Owens, right? I'm gonna hopefully I didn't get that one wrong. But uh but yeah, right. no. but yeah, Tariq Owens. Um uh and then Norris Odiase. Those guys were solid recruits, but they were nowhere near they weren't like the Hunter Dickinsons, the top five like the five-star or four-star recruits. Like those are guys that bought into Texas tech played their hearts out for the coaching staff and helped this team get to where they got. And so if we can have a coaching staff that can bring the best out of each and every player and run the offense that best suits with the guys that we have now, if you can put up points, you can put up points. It doesn't really matter to the star behind your next to your name. If you play good basketball and there's a system out there for you that kind of works and your coaches take advantage of your skill set, you're going to win games. And if you buy in the defense at Texas Tech, it's been proven that we can go places. We can go places in the in the not only in the Big Twelve but the NCAA tournament. So a lot of a lot of good things on the horizon. And uh, with that, I mean, there's not really much else to talk about. There's not really any news going on in football. Not really many recruitment or transfer news going on there. As far as Texas Tech recruits, I don't think they've signed anybody anytime recently or really any big time recruits signed in the big 12. So, I mean, Joe, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we kind of head out of here? You know, um, just to touch back on the, that national championship team, you know, we did have some of those guys that were in a low level basketball, you know, everybody kind of knows Matt Mooney's journey from here, from, I believe it was air force to wherever he ended up at and then to tech and then, Tariq being a St. John's guy coming over. And then I believe we already had Brandon Francis from Florida. And he was, he was a high star guy out of high school. And then, you know, he came over with us and he had some more of a off court kind of issues and stuff like that. But, you know, just to your point, you know, you buy into a system, you don't need to have all these stars to be competitive. You just got to have the want to, and these guys just had to want to more than pretty much every other team that they came against, you know, and that, you know, sometimes that always wins out, you know, you could have all of the talent in the world and then you have a team that just wants it more than you do. And you, you just kind of get lackadaisical and you just kind of overlook them. They'll run you right off of that court. And we have seen that in the past where some people, you know, kind of t- took gr- took tech for a W and there's times where we've ran that team off the court, even though on paper that team was a hundred times or 10 times better than what tech was putting out there. So, and it's just to your point, you know, you get this, the kids that you want and you feel, feel that, that mold of what you're trying to look for in a player and the sky's the limit. 
because you're already going to be playing with that chip on your shoulder because everybody has already counted you out. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And that's just how it is. Everybody counts you out, and guess what? You have that chip on your shoulder to prove everybody wrong who said so. Just like, for example, anybody in the in any kind of draft kind of deal, you know, you get passed over by X amount of teams. Your personal mentality is to go show those other five teams, 10 teams, 20 teams, 30 teams that passed you over why, why they made the mistake, you know? So I think it's just going to help this team. I help. I know that tech tech's basketball program needed to have a culture reset per se, you know, based on, you know, how things were when Adams was here and how things were when Adams left and, you know, all the cleanup that McCaslin's having to do. So, you know, more power to him. Like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give, and I've said this before, I'm not going to give, I'm giving McCaslin a pass on all of this. First of all, because we haven't even seen him coach a game for tech yet. I mean, he could be he could be amazing, and I expect him to be because he's won everywhere he's went. And you know, he's just he's weeding out the the problems and bringing in his guys, not necessarily guys from North Texas, but just guys that he could communicate with. He could fill that void and you know, kind of gel this team together and you know, put the puzzle back together because we're just we could be that team. We could be the next Kansas State you know, to just kind of surprise everybody because everybody just wants to overlook you. So I'm ready to see who enters their name in the portal in the next couple of days, you know, moving forward and, you know, see how many more people we get here. And then hopefully that we get some answers on uh, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Washington deciding to call Lubbock home in the next couple of days as well. Yeah, I mean, the transfer portal is going to be really exciting. Uh, really exciting to watch as those last few names come into the portal. There were a few big guys that uh, put their names in the portal, and I completely lost track of who exactly they were. But for the most part, like you said, it's all about the buy-in. And 
we're really going to see which guys are going to buy in and which guys are going to, you know, want to come to Texas Tech and put it back where they were the past few years because we're not far off from a team that was really solid and, you know, able to produce and be a national name. So at the end of the day, like you said, it doesn't really matter what the talent is. It doesn't really matter the star next to your name. If you're going to ball, you're going to ball. And that's all you can ask for. I mean, I'm just kind of wrapping up here, just scrolling down the list of names. I wanted to see if there was one that I remember kind of entered, and I think I got it. So there was a guy. I don't think he's anywhere near probably coming at Texas Tech, but he's a little bit on the bigger name that just entered from North Dakota State. His name is Grant Nelson, 6'11", 235 power forward. Really talented, really talented this past season. And uh, he just entered the transfer portal. I don't know if he's the type of guy that Texas Tech would kind of go after, but as soon as I saw him, and I remember watching his highlights from a while ago and just kind of seeing the type of player that he was, he was the guy that I was like, dang, if, if like of all the guys that have entered the transfer portal recently, of all the guys that we kind of have seen, you know, put their name in there, that's definitely one of them that I would love to see Texas Tech kind of go after. And then obviously there's a few other guys on the portal that are maybe a little bit more long shots, maybe guys that are kind of just set. I'm just looking at them like, oh, okay, they're big and Texas Tech need, needs bigs. So let's just kind of go after them. But it's obviously a little bit more in-depth than that. So I guess we'll end there. Uh, obviously, you know, always a good time talking to you guys on a Sunday. You know, a little bit later podcast here probably will come out more towards Monday, but it's okay. Uh, just kind of going over the Big 12 and always like to wrap up the podcast with kind of our take on the Texas Tech side of things. Maybe a few things that are kind of impacting the university. Obviously, we're going to go in depth throughout the week and kind of talk about those things, but... Just good to kind of get out there and talk about different things going on in the Texas Tech universe. But uh, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Any last just words? to touch on just just to touch on one. I think one of the guys you were thinking about that in, entered um, the transfer portal that is a big time kind of guy was that um, um, BJ Edwards from um, Tennessee. He's a he was a four star out of high school and he just he entered his name yesterday in the transfer portal as well. I don't know. If, he has any connections to Texas Tech or anything like that, but I know there was another gentleman um, who was from Garland, Texas, who entered his name in the transfer portal. I just don't remember what school he was coming out of. So, but like I said, I mean, things. The rest of this week are going to be interesting on on a few different fronts, as far as all the different names that decide to enter the transfer portal before the window closes on Thursday. What's going to happen with Texas Tech's baseball with potential weather-related issues in Morgantown this weekend, how that may have a play into the Big 12, and things like that. But, you know, um, we're here for it. That's why we're here every Sunday to kind of give a recap. So maybe next Sunday we have a little bit more clarity on on certain things moving forward in, in anything tech-related and also that's going on in the Big 12. Of course. I mean, it's always good to kind of get the fans out there, just some information about different things going on outside of Texas Tech and kind of what's going on throughout the conference. So they're kind of aware of what to expect. I mean, we both kind of said it. These episodes are going to run a little bit different right now compared to what they will be towards the uh, start of, you know, basketball, football season and all that. There's going to be a little bit more Texas Tech talk on the side of things. But once like football starting, once we kind of know who's winning these battles and, uh, you know, uh, 
position wise for different uh, conference schools in basketball and football, we're definitely going to be talking a little bit more about what to expect from those teams throughout the year. Maybe take some time on each podcast, kind of going through each team and devoting some time to each team, kind of talking about their strengths and weaknesses, or maybe a couple teams, just kind of seeing how time works with that. But uh, yeah, that's it from us. Joe, any last words, anything you want to say before we head out of here? No, I don't have anything. I think I kind of spilled the beans on everything that I had um, planned for our little podcast this evening. So other than just for everybody out there to have a great week, you know, be safe out there, whatever you're doing. And then, hey, we got, you know, school's coming to a close. So if you got kiddos out there and stuff like that, get prepared for the summer. I know I have some kiddos, um, one going to middle school and one going to be a junior in high school. You know, matter of fact, and she's about to start potentially working this summer, too. So that's kind of what I have on the docket in the next couple of weeks on my end of the world. Um, I'll be having a shoulder surgery in the next few weeks as well. Um, Other than that, that's, you know, kind of all I got right now, my man. Sounds good. Yeah, no, just exciting. School's getting out. You know, I have a seven month old, so I don't really got to worry about any of that yet. So, uh Definitely just going to have a good summer, and hopefully everybody has a good rest of your week. Good week. We'll kind of see how transfer news goes. Hopefully we can get some commits here at Texas Tech. But uh, until next 100%. week, yeah, 100%. Really want to see Washington commit. That'll be huge for us. But uh, And maybe some of those co Maybe McCollum kind of announcing that he's on the staff as well as Peary. But, uh, uh, quick question. Quick question yeah. that I forgot to ask you. Do you think, I guess, on um, – does Texas Tech as a whole fan base and everything like that breathe a deep sigh of relief if a McCollum or a Perry is hired? Like they'll pump the brakes on, you know, calling for McCaslin's head in a sense of, you know, not being able to get anything done right away. Yeah, I think that the people who have kind of been paying attention to the landscape of things and kind of have been paying attention to the coaching search from the start of it before McCaslin was hired kind of know that McCollum's a big name that we want to get here, and we already know what Barrett kind of brings to us. So I think that there will be a big sigh of relief knowing that the offense will be that level. I mean, McCaslin can coach offense. I just want to let the people know, like, it's not like he's not some – idiot who's never coached offense and doesn't know how to do it. I'm sure that he's very solid at adjusting. And we all saw those kind of numbers that were a little bit more analytic based that showed that maybe he isn't, you know, the strongest on that side or his teams aren't. But at the end of the day, the guy will know how to play defense. And it's one of those things that kind of just goes along with it. And I know we're going to kind of get into something here, but I don't really mind. I mean, I have plenty of time, but just real quick there. With especially at that level of college basketball, it's kind of a give and take. When you play the level of defense that they played, it is very hard to play high level elite defense like North Texas would play and then go on the offensive side of the ball and then try and run a bunch of plays and get the guys to kind of, you know, put up huge offensive numbers. It just, it is what it is. Even when Texas Tech, like when they had, when they were really good on defense, when Chris Beard was here, really good on defense. There were a lot of complaints about the offense that he ran. You know, I, I, I mean, like I, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what it was that he ran. I know that it was something that people just didn't really like, and it is what it is. Like, even when Mark Adams was hired, he wasn't an offensive coach. He was a defensive stalwart. But we brought Barrett on the staff, and this team had a pretty solid overall team. We were do we saw some games where maybe it was a little bit of a dud. I mean, oh my gosh, don't even remind me about the Tennessee game, but. 
just different games where maybe it looked a little bit like we wouldn't want to see it. But at the end of the day, offense is going to be played. Grant McCaslin would be more than capable of coaching an offense, even if he, we didn't get those high-level elite coaches. But getting McCollum and getting Peary are going to be huge for this team. I think the fan base can finally breathe a sigh of relief and be able to kind of say, you know, let's trust this team. Let's trust McCaslin, which is what you want. And then that'll also kind of bring in recruits. So that's pretty much what I have to say on that. I hope that the fan base can kind of co-align with my way of thought. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish it was that simple. And in so many words, just like, hey, man, let the man do his job. He hasn't put anything out there. This is just kind of hearsay right now. So um, let's just cut him some slack. I think he's doing a whole lot of stuff behind closed doors that just we haven't seen yet or haven't brought, been brought to everybody's attention. So just kind of hold your breath eat a little bit longer take a step back from that ledge, you know, things aren't going to be terrible. You know, it may not be great year one. Let's just face the facts. That's just usually how it is, you know, but if he comes and he catches lightning in a bottle, he gets the culture built, he gets the team to buy in, you know, all things are possible. So let's just let the man work and then just hope for the best and hope for some good news in the upcoming days. That's for sure. I agree with you. So uh, we'll kind of wrap it up on there. And, uh, yeah, no, hope everybody has a good week. Can't wait to talk to you next week, kind of see what goes on with baseball, see what goes on with recruiting. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Talk to you throughout the week on various podcasts. And uh, have a great start to the week, everybody.